Hey, it's good to see you today. My name is Philip Thomas, pastor of Journey here in Elgin, Texas. It's our Thursday uh, episode of our journey through Scripture. I uh, hope that uh, your week is going well and you're looking forward to a wonderful weekend. Uh, but we're going to look in Deuteronomy. We're going to go through uh, chapters 16 through 21 today, 16 through 21. Uh, so if you want to pause this and then uh, come back and, and we will get started. All right. So chapter 16, uh, again, one of the things that we, if if you've been reading through, you do see a lot of repetitiveness. You see kind of um, mentioning things again over and over, which uh, I I believe actually goes to support the credibility of the historical nature of the Bible, that this is something that really did happen, uh, because we're talking about a time frame um, of just right here between like numbers and Deuteronomy, there's a lot of repetition in numbers and Deuteronomy. Um, that it, it's the 40 years, right? So 40 years ago, um, they, the pe- this people group were at Mount Sinai give, being given the law. Then they were stupid. And so they, <laughs> they wandered for 40 years. Well, the same law is being, uh, uh re, reintroduced time and time again to them, right? There's a new generation that comes. So there's this constant reminding um, of, of the law that God is setting before them. And, and so it, it makes sense that there would be repetition um, throughout, especially these first uh, few books of the Bible, because um, we're, we're talking about a people group that's traveling together, learning how to be the people that God is calling them to be. So chapter 16, uh, we review the Passover, uh, the Feast of Weeks, the Feast of Tabernacles. Remember, all of those different feasts uh, were ways throughout the year to remind people of their relationship with God, uh, that they should be intentionally thinking about um, how God has blessed them, how God has uh, uh, encouraged them, how they have fallen away from God, how there's a need for atonement, uh, right? That those are uh, those uh, festivals were kind of big staples throughout the year that would uh, would bring the people into a remembrance, into a recognition of the importance of their relationship uh, with God. Uh, verse 18, though, it changes a little bit, and it talks about justice. Uh, it talks about uh, the importance of finding uh, people uh, to judge. Um, and in verse 19, it says, you shall not pervert justice. You shall not show partiality, uh, nor take a bride, for a bride's uh, blind, uh, blinds the eye of the wise and twists the words of the righteous. You shall follow what is altogether just, that you may live and inherit the land which the Lord your God is giving you. Again, this extreme importance on justice. God is a God of justice. Um, and because we're human, we can only get get so close to justice. We will never be perfect justice, but God's justice is perfect, and He wants us to strive for that, strive for that uh, uh, perfect justice. Um, it brings out here in chapter 17, it talks about uh, witnesses, that you need uh, two witnesses. We're going to hit on that a little bit uh, later, but one thing in verse 7 uh, it's been talking about all this. It says, The hands of the witnesses shall be the first against him uh, to, to put him to death, and afterwards the hands of all the people. So you shall put away the evil from among you. Right? We've seen that phrase before, 
this, the importance of recognizing evil, of, of recognizing that we need to get that away from us. We need, to, we need to hold that accountable, right? Evil is going to happen, but we need to fight back against it. We need to hold it accountable. Um, it goes on, it uh, talks about uh, principles of, of kings and governing kings. Uh, this, is, this is interesting. I'm going to read, read this, and, and if you know your biblical history looking forward, um, you'll find really, really quickly that uh, there weren't too many kings that followed, followed this. It says, uh, when you come to the land which the Lord your God is giving you and possess it and dwell in it and say... I will set a king over me like all the nations that are around me. So God is acknowledging that the people are eventually going to desire a king, not necessarily because it's the right thing for them, but because they want to be like other nations. Right? And we, we, we do see this later. Um, it says, You shall surely set a king over you whom the Lord your God chooses. One from among your brethren you shall set as your king over you. You may not be set a foreigner over you who is not your brother, but he shall not multiply horses for himself, nor cause the people to return to Egypt to multiply horses. For the Lord has said to him, You shall not return that way again. Neither shall he multiply wives for himself, lest his heart turn away, nor shall he greatly multiply silver and gold for himself. Right? Isn't it interesting? Because one of the things that uh, I've I've heard about the Bible that people have a problem with is like, well, what about these kings and stuff who who had all of these wives? You know, I mean, did God say anything about that? You know, that you know David was called a man after God's own heart, and yet yet he uh, had multiple wives. Listen, there are cultural things that people get caught up in that are sinful. Um, and they can still also serve God at the same time, but it certainly hampers and it diminishes uh, what they are able to do. Well, it is very clear from right here that God doesn't want us to have multiple wives. Right? Like, I mean, we, we see that that is it's pretty clear throughout all throughout Scripture. And, uh, and it's, it's interesting that this is being said way before uh, Israel takes a king and then those kings have multiple wives because the kings didn't listen to what God desired, right? God is desiring what a king should be. And, and I kind of think that basically what he's saying is, you may not want to get a king because none of them are going to live up to this, right? And it's only going to make matters worse, which it certainly did. It continues in verse 18, Also it shall be when he sits on the throne of his kingdom that he shall write for himself a copy of this law in a book. For the one before the priest and Levites, it shall be with him that he shall read it all the days of his life, that he may learn to fear the Lord his God and be careful to observe all the words of this law and these statutes, that his heart may not be lifted above his brethren, that he may not turn aside from the commandments to the right hand or to the left, and that he may prolong his days in his kingdom, he and his children in the midst of Israel. So here the desire for the king is to recognize that he is no better than anyone else, that he is just one of the people, that, it, that he has been put in a place of leadership, but he is just like everyone else, that he has to submit to God and that he gives his life to God and that he follows the commands of God. Right? That it was, was vital for the, if the people were going to have a king, those were the things that that king had to do. And whenever you contrast that to what happens, um, you see that, 
no one really lived lived up to this. There were some kings that were better than others, um, and some kings that did some of this. Um, but but God sees real quickly that the the king, the model of having a king, does not work well for the nation. And and uh, and we see how that works out for Israel, which we will be getting to in the in the months to come. So you continue on in chapter eighteen. Uh, we see it talks about the the priest and the Levites. Uh, it talks about wicked customs uh, of practicing witchcraft, soothsaying, uh, omens, sorcerers. It's it's interesting. Um, it it does not ever say that those those there won't be people who have some sort of power to do that, right? It does warn against anyone who gets things wrong, who makes direct predictions, especially if they're saying that they're coming from God and they get them wrong. Well, then you know it wasn't coming from God. Um, But it doesn't say that there aren't people who have some kind of spiritual connections um, with, with, uh, with things that are not godly. And so it's better just to avoid all of that. You know, maybe your psychic that you go to gets something right every once in a while. You're like, oh man, that's really helpful. Well, that's not necessarily coming from God, right? And we have to be real careful with stuff like that. And I know we live in, uh, you know, the, the United States and we, you know, we think that we're past a lot of that, but this, this is very prominent in many areas of the world, kind of the superstitions and things like that. Uh, we have to be very careful with that because it can lead us, uh, certainly lead us away from trusting in the in the one true God. Um, it talks about that there will be a new uh, prophet like Moses and uh, that they should be listened to, but they should be tested. Um, chapter 19 uh, reiterates uh, the importance of having the refuge cities, right? So where if, if you accidentally kill someone, um, well, what was normal in that day, if you, if I w- was out working with John and, and I cut a tree down and it fell on John and he died, uh, well, that's, that was just an accident. Well, what would normally happen is John's family would be pretty ticked. So they would come and try to kill me, right? That was just the way that, <laughs> that, that people handled things many times. And, uh, and so the importance of these refuge cities would be that if you, if that kind of situation happened, that you could go to that city and you would be protected. But you, it would be checked out. It would be made sure that this was an accident. For if it was found that you truly murdered John, uh, well, then you would be held accountable. Um, we see uh, verse 15 there in chapter 19, uh, the importance of two or three witnesses, uh, that one witness is not enough. Um, that's, that is important. And it, it also sometimes makes justice and finding justice difficult because maybe there was only one person who, who saw it. Uh, but there needs to be other evidence. You know, there needs to be uh, other people that can can corroborate that. And we see that in, in our, our laws. But there are people who have gone free because there's only one person who could say it. But there, there's a cost of benefit to everything. Do you always believe that person? Um, well, if that's the case, then you're going to have a lot of people that get put into prison who are innocent. Because guess what? We live in a fallen world. People lie. And it doesn't matter really. It doesn't matter at all if you're a man, a woman, whether you grew up in this country, not in this country. Doesn't matter what your skin color is. We're all fallen. 
And we all have the capacity to do that. And so whenever you're dealing with justice, you, you have to take all of that into account. And, and it, the Bible is actually way ahead of its time for trying to do this, trying to treat everyone fairly and uh, trying to, to make sure basically that you were innocent until proven guilty. Um, you know, this, this idea. And, and it is, it is challenging. Uh, verse 21 says, uh, your eye shall not pity. Life shall be for life. Eye for eye, tooth for tooth, hand for hand, foot for foot. Remember again, this was a, actually a very merciful thing because many times, uh, someone would do something minor to someone else, but, but wrong them. And they would respond by killing that guy. Well, that's, that's not justice, right? You're, you're paying way more, uh, than what was done to you. So basically saying that the punishment should fit the crime. And, and that is important. That's something that we, we need to, to always be working towards. And, and in some ways, and in, in some areas, we've gotten that right. And in some areas, we haven't, right? There's sometimes we've, we have small little petty crimes and someone serves, you know, years in prison. It's like, wait, we need to, we need to strive to have that punishment, uh, fit the crime. Uh, chapter 20 goes into governing war- warfare. Um, this is a important uh, aspect to this. Uh, verse three says, do not let your heart faint or do not be afraid. Do not tremble or be terrified because of them. For the Lord, your God is he who goes with you to fight for you against your enemies to save you. Right? This idea, whenever we are fighting the battles in our life, we do not have to be terrified. We know that God goes with us. Uh, that's a, that's an important truth for us to hold as we engage in most of us are not going to be called uh, to go battle the Philistines. Right? <laughs> We're not going to have to put on our armor and uh, put on a sword and, and go and fight somebody. But we all do have the battles that we have to fight. And, and we should not be terrified because we do know that God is with us. Um, it, it, it's interesting to me. It gives numerous reasons of why people don't have to go serve. You know, if, if they've just been married, if they've just gotten property, that they don't have to go with the army. It's, it's kind of uh, an interesting thing, uh, there. And it continues to move on. We see in chapter 20, uh, it talks about, uh, you try to offer peace with a city, um, before you, uh, besiege it. Uh, so again, think of this as, as, it's not necessarily as much countries as you have kind of city states and all these different city states and they would go to battle against each other, which was going on before the Bible was written. Um, right. And, and so it's saying, no, you should actually try to work things out, uh, before you, you attack. Um, it, and then this is interesting. One thing that, people criticize the Bible a lot is that it said to wipe out all of the people uh, groups that were in uh, the promised land, the, the land that, that God was giving them, which again, that is that was actually very common. If you were going to take a land, you would wipe out everyone, right? That's th- That was the, the common practice. But we say, well, why would God say to do that? And it, it says uh, in verse five, it says, thus you shall do to all the cities which you are very far, far away from you, which are not the cities of these nations. Okay. So it, it makes a decision. It says you should seek peace. You should, should try to, to find other ways for the nations around you. 
But the nations that, that, you're, that are within your borders, it's different. It says, but the cities of these people, which the Lord your God gives you as an inheritance, you shall not let nothing breathe, uh, remain alive, but you shall utterly destroy them. And then it, it names them. It says, lest they teach you to do according to, to all their abominations, which they have done for their gods, and you sin against the Lord your God. Right? It is important for us to recognize these nations were not innocent either. They did horrific things. Um, and and in, in some ways, this was God's judgment on them. Um, but uh, it, it is, it's a tough, tough thing for us in the year 2021 to, to wrestle with, you know, God saying to wipe out these uh, groups of people. Um, but, but I think as we've, as we've walked through this, I can understand where, where he gets to that point, right? The, there's, there's the cultural aspects, but there's also, guess what? Eventually you're going to be judged for your sin and judgment for them was coming by the nation of Israel entering into the promised land. Uh, chapter 21 uh, uh, talks about how you kind of treat people and things like that. One thing I just want to hit on really quickly is how you treat treated female captives. The normal way that female trap captives were treated was horrifically, um, was, well, was well how females are being treated in Afghanistan today. Uh, you know, that there's so many that are being raped. That was the normal kind of spoils of war. If you read, you know, about the, the Roman Empire, when they took a town, uh, the women knew what was coming. And it's horrific, and it's barbaric, and it's, it's disgusting. Um, but uh, the, the Bible, it talks about that. It says, uh, if, uh, in verse 13, chapter 21, it says, She shall put off the clothes of her captivity, remain in her house, uh, this is a, if you have taken a, a female captive, basically, remain in your house and mourn her father and her mother, mother for a full month. So you're not supposed to do anything to them. Uh, you provide shelter for them for a full month. After that, uh, you may be her husband and she uh, may be your wife. And it shall be if you have no delight in her, then you shall set her free. But you certainly shall not sell her for money. You shall not treat her brutally because you have humbled her. Right? So again, there's still some cultural things that were like, eh, it's probably not even the best thing there. But this is clearly saying you don't just go and fulfill your sexual desires on her. Right? The, the, the fact that he says you bring her for a full month and then if you still uh, want uh, to be with her, then you marry her, right? I mean, that's a, that's a pretty big step. And then if you, you realize, no, I don't want to be with, with, with her and I'm going to just cast her away, no, you have to free her. You have to provide uh, a way for her to move forward. It's very For that time, it was very, very progressive. It was, it was a totally different way uh, of going about things. So that that leads us to the the end of chapter twenty one. Uh, it does say, uh, if you have a son who is stubborn and rebellious, rebellious, and he will not obey uh, our voice, this is kind of he's going against the the laws of of the the people group. It says he is a glutton and a drunkard. Then all of the men go out and stone him. I I think that's one maybe maybe we should bring back not stoning to death. But just a few small pebbles, maybe that would help. But uh, good, good luck with that one. And um, I, I don't know if that will fly whenever the police arrive. 
uh, to the public stoning. Um, but again, it does show how important seeking the good and seeking the right is to God. It makes a difference. All right. Hope you have a good weekend. We'll see you here on Tuesday.